Live from parts unknown, you're listening to Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast. The only wrestling podcast on the planet, we think. Sit back, relax, prepare for positivity to run through your veins as Simon Miller gives you your weekly dose of powerful pro wrestling audio. It is Miller Time. Hello, my friends. Make sure you go look outside and see if hell has frozen over and see if there are some pigs flying by your window. But it is Simon Miller's Pro Wrestling Podcast with me, Simon Miller, hosting a pro wrestling podcast. Now, look, I know we I talk about this a lot. And there's one guy on the Internet who just absolutely flames me for not getting episodes live as and when. But look. Life is a crazy old thing, and you can agree with me, or you can not agree with me, or you can call me an asshole. You can think I'm a son of a bitch. All of these are absolutely fine, but know that I never do not upload an episode because I think it's funny, or that I think, ha-ha, I'm going to screw everybody over. This is not my nature. This is not how I exist in the world. And in fact, I go the other way, and I worry about this stuff all of the time. Maybe one day I'll get my girlfriend on, and she can tell you how much I've been worrying about this podcast over the last few weeks. However... Given that I did, well, I was able to get some life, I don't even know what the right word would be. I basically got my life in, in control a little bit this week as things calmed down a little bit. I was like, on Thursday, we're going to record a podcast and we're going to get back into a routine and we are going to have a little bit of fun with it and change it up. Now, one of the, you know, issues with the podcast is that it just is me talking into a microphone for an hour and people are very kind about that and they say very nice things about it however it kind of reduces your accountability a little bit but also it can be difficult to just talk into a microphone for an hour and sometimes i wouldn't say that i struggle with it but i was like man i need to i need to inject some energy back into the thing so what have i done i i've reached out to uh some people or a, a specific person i should say that i know will bring the love and i know will bring the joy and will bring the positivity in only the way that he can and hopefully make this an even better show than it was before we have not done a QA this week but don't worry the QA will be back next week again we are just getting things rocking and rolling so what i would do is i've recorded this intro by myself i will give it a beat then magically this conversation will come to light we will talk about AEW dynamite we'll talk about full gear because of course that is the focus of the week and then finally we can get back into talking some pro wrestling once or twice a week thank you very much for my patience for my patience thank you very much for your patience if you've a patron uh, if you are a patron hopefully i've explained myself well enough on there uh so i don't want to get into that either but yes let's talk about aw let's talk about full gear with a very very special and hopefully recurring guest so right as mentioned during the introduction we are going to be changing up things a little bit here on simon miller's pro wrestling podcast and essentially i want people to chat to it can get very lonely when you are just speaking into a microphone for an hour or so so i had to sit down and i thought who can i bring into the fold that i know has all the information has the details but also and this was the most important caveat is a positive pete because as you know if you listen to this podcast before it's about positivity sometimes we crap on stuff but even then we laugh and joke about it so i reached out to talk sports own alex mccarthy who of course because he is a positive pete was more than happy to come on alex how you doing my friend pleasure to have you oh thank you very much simon it's always nice to be in the same space as a good egg such as yourself and i'm not talk- <laughs> i'm not talking about your head i'm talking about your outlook brother um but yeah i i love it because i feel like we do have similar tastes and outlook on being sports entertained and enjoying the graps so uh, i'm i'm excited to chop it up with you no it's true and that's that was i i, I know i joke about it but the whole reason well no it was my natural way of looking at wrestling anyway 
But when I was getting into this this game, there was a lot of people just crapping over everything. And I was like, well, this is boring. <laughs> and it yeah. kind of just wears me out a bit. So again, when we started to chat and we started to connect, it was basically just like two nerds going crazy. <laughs> and I was like, this is great. This, is, this makes me even more excited about what I'm seeing. Uh, so we're going to get into, obviously, uh, full gear and everything going on with AEW because that is the most pertinent stuff in wrestling. But before we do, because I understand how audience retention works, Alex, sell yourself. Tell people where they can find you and where else they can hear you. You're such a pro. This is like when I, <laughs> this is like when I write stuff online and they're like, oh, that click-through rate, you better uh, get yourselves in early doors. Um, yeah, so, so for me, obviously, the Talk Wrestling Podcast, which, by the way, we had Simon Miller this week to preview Full Gear. So make your way over there if you can. It's on all good podcast platforms and it's embedded in all wrestling content on talksport.com i've had a slew that's right a slew of wwe uh, and wrestling interviews this week so the podcast features the malachi black interview in full but you can read the seven interviews i did at the weekend seven he said um from wwe wembley the live event they had there the super show you can read all of those on TalkSport.com this week, uh, forward slash wrestling, I should say. And of course, I've got my YouTube channel, Wrestling Daily, and I think that's about as wide as I'm spread, Simon. And everyone should go and watch it, genuinely. If you want positive, not only positive takes, but also crazy connections to the wrestling world, <laughs> you, want, you want to be following Mr. McCarthy. Uh, and on that note, we'll actually get started talking about some wrestling. Of course, Full Gear this Saturday, uh, Full Gear 2021. Ten matches, if we include the, the, the buy-in, too. I mean, before we do, we will run through match by match. But again, if you want to do that, you can kind of head over to Talk Wrestling, where me, Alex, and Will Gavin have done it. But we will touch upon it a bit. But overall, man, how... How are you feeling leading into this pay-per-view? Because, you know, I thought Dynamite last night was excellent. I thought it did everything that it needed to do in terms of building the matches and trying to catch you up on the stories. What I always enjoy is that in terms of, I know we had that little skit between Punk and uh, Punk and Kingston, but essentially Punk and Kingston was a video package. Darby Allen MJF was a video package. Brian Danielson Miro was a video package. It's like they've told their stories. They assume the, you know, the, their audience is aware of the direction they're headed in and then they just give you that little bit of i sound like jim ross but that little bit of sizzle on the steak mm. in order for you to then go oh i'm gonna spend 20 30 40 50 bucks whatever the hell it may be at the weekend so yeah in terms of actually building into the event itself and everything we've done over the last few weeks i mean has it worked for you has it ticked your boxes where are you at it has it has to be honest and, and i wonder if that's a byproduct of just my sheer excitement for hangman page to get his moment, the rest just trickles down, right? Like I'm, I'm already invested in that story. I have been. I've been shouting from the mountaintops for months, like it's time for Hangman Page. And every time it doesn't happen, I'm like, it, it, it's still time for Hangman Page. Like I'm, I'm still kind of on that train, regardless. So uh, I, I'm very excited to see how that's going to play out, and I'm hoping to get the resolution that I'm looking for. Uh, and I really felt. Uh, again, and I don't love doing this comparison often, but there are several times where people go, wow, that was like a go-home Raw. And and it was just a Raw, right? Whereas back in the day, you really felt a go-home show or even a post-pay-per-view show on some occasions. With Dynamite, I feel like they've got it down to a fine art where it's like there are distinct stories for every feud, right? Like there's something attached to every angle that they've got going on and they they are very systematic with that in fairness and the way that they dice it up um for me the show closing angle it was funny because i saw people on twitter going like well, why is don Callis out of the 
why is he out of the poster? It's just Hangman and Kenny now, like, and as was advertised on the night. And then, of course, we saw it. Cameraman <laughs> Callus <laughs> coming in and juicing Hangman Page, which is a great sentence to say. Um, and I just thought it was it was wonderful. Like, in, in uh, contract signings in and of themselves, Simon, are often kind of formulaic or someone's going through a table, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. And, and I felt like everything from this show carried its momentum or gained more. And that's all you can really ask for. So for me, the card itself sells itself. But the fact that the TV has kind of matched what I'm expecting, oh my God, I'm pumped. Yeah, I think that ending segment too, like there were so many little things that you could enjoy. The fact that Don Callis was wearing a fake beard, even though he had a mask on. It's like, I mean, I, I saw a proper William Regal kayfabe explanation to this. He was like, yeah, but when he was wandering backstage, he had to pretend to be a cameraman. Like that would be enough of a disguise to go, oh yeah, it's definitely not Don Callis. But also the fact that Kenny Omega signed his contract with Hangman Adam Page's blood. I mean, this is screwed up stuff. There's no two ways about it. If you told that to anyone who did not watch wrestling, they'd be like, what are you talking about? What on earth does that even mean? So I think you're right. It was almost as if, well, we did what a wrestling show should do. We wait till the last segment, which is the world title program, the main event, and we hit the crazy button. You know, we hit the escalation button to the point where, yeah, if you if you weren't pumped about seeing it before, you have to be pumped about about seeing it now. And I haven't met anyone apart from the dark corners of the internet who doesn't think Hangman Adam Page shouldn't win this, which means you have probably built a good babyface yeah, because exactly. people are rooting for him. And of, actually, I don't want to just say that. And you've built a good heel in Kenny Omega because people want to see him lose. Yeah, 1,000 I mean, I'm still laughing, sorry, at the, <laughs> at the idea of the, the blood contract or, you know. So it just, good. It just reminds me of a... Uh, Oh, Finn Balor's name's on the contract. No, it's not. John Cena's here. <laughs> what, what a difference, right? <laughs> I'm terrified someone's going to go into the bank and sign over my house or something. Like, what? You can't just do that. Well, you uh, can. You absolutely you, can. In wrestling, you absolutely can. Um, yeah, I, I think that's that's the you know the thing, and we discussed this a little bit between us this week. The Hangman Page story is, is one of those rare instances where long-term storytelling – and not in those instances where WWE kind of luck into it sometimes and go, oh, you know, we, we knew, whatever. Um, with this, it was a very clear, thought-out process. And I'm not sure that they knew the exact end destination, although it does feel like we're there now. But, of course, originally, you've got Hangman coming up short against Jericho for the inaugural title. He then has the tag run with Kenny, which is amazing. You know, they have the classics that everyone still reveres to this day. Uh, and then it's his fault that they lose. Uh, he then loses to Kenny in the title elimination tournament, which Kenny then goes on to become champion, and he still is. Um, and then you've got Hangman and the Dark Order and all of that story, um, finding his way back, battling his way back. And here we are. He is the contender for Kenny. It was probably meant to happen at the last pay-per-view, but we all know that you know Hangman had to take some time off, uh, had, had a baby. So it's still worked out well, though, when you actually look at the landscape of the card I, I, and, and all of the story that's built into that and the journey and kind of Hangman versus the elite um, from whence he came, if you like. I think it's one of the best crafted stories in North America anyway of the past decade, I would say. Mm. Maybe yeah. even this this millennium. Like, I can't think of many better where Hangman's journey and ascension to the top for a brand new babyface to be your world champion, 
I honestly think this is one of the most well-crafted stories ever. I'm rooting for Hangman. He's delivered in his two years on Dynamite and has never got stale during the chase. And Kenny has been an amazing foil. Not only is he amazing in the ring, like no one's tuned into this podcast to me to say, hey, Kenny Omega's good at wrestling. Um, <laughs> but it's just the way that the, the whole story is intertwined and threaded together with Hangman and Kenny from being in the elite, from the tag title run, from coming up short, all of that good stuff. Now is the perfect time with the perfect people. Pull the trigger on Hangman. It has to happen. And even though, like you say, a lot of people think it will happen and you can telegraph it, there is something to be said for giving people what they want. Yes. It's a, I, I always go back to the romantic comedy debate. And I get there's exceptions to the rule, but few people go to watch a romantic comedy and go, well, I hope they don't get together. <laughs> no. No, like, I'm, not, I'm not trying to stereotype here, but like my girlfriend loves romantic comedies. And if it doesn't end with them getting together, she's like, well, what was that? Like, what, what was that crap? That's not what I tuned in so, for. Simon, did you watch Squid Games? Do you know what? I haven't seen it yet. Okay. It's on my list of things to do. I'm okay. waiting to see. Cause my girlfriend wants to watch it, so I'm waiting till we both have proper time free. When you do, get back to me about the ending. And it totally is a great analogy for what you just said. But until oh, then... Man, Please proceed. <laughs> oh, I can't wait now. Now you've got me doubly excited about it. But no, but that, that's the thing. And a lot of the criticism I see, and again, I always like to point out, you're allowed to be as critical as you want, right? It's your life. Go nuts. Yeah. But a lot of the criticism I do see with the story is, is that, oh, yeah, but they just did what people always do. And I'm like, yes, but I mean, where do we start? Batman, superheroes, Star Wars. It's all the bait. I mean, Star Wars literally built a brand new trilogy of retelling the same story that it had already told. <laughs> and okay, well, it kind of worked and it kind of didn't work. Maybe I've gone off piste here. But that's the thing. Sometimes I think you can overthink wrestling storylines. And I think you can go, well, we don't want to, you know, we don't want to fall too much into the old tropes. But no, you do. And the, the way you get around that is by having believable characters. Or in this instance, I would say, Hangman Adam Page dealing with a real, uh, real life, well, a trouble or struggle, I guess, that many people have gone through. I mean, it was never sort of shouted from the rooftops oh he's an alcoholic but you know we certainly teased it and we certainly touched yeah. upon it and that's what made him relatable i mean in many ways it's like the anti-steve austin which i also thought was really you know he was far more sympathetic than austin ever was and you know if, if you want something that's a bit more smart i suppose then fair enough but to me all i ever need again i'm repeating myself is a good good guy and a good bad guy and for me be, to, me to explain it to somebody else in like a sentence which you could do with this and like you say it's all about the weight it's all about the payoff and when hangman adam page eventually does become the AEW world champion you're just going to be like flipping awesome like flipping great. That's what I wanted. I've got it. Kenny Omega can throw a tantrum. Oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really feel good moment. And I will end that pay per view going. I'm glad I spent my twenty twenty five bucks. Yeah. Whatever the hell it is, I can't remember. <laughs> but that's absolutely right. And and I think you know just marked by the reactions of Hangman when he came back um, and and got into the ladder match or the promo that he did on Dynamite. Like people are clearly with him. Like they've been with him on this journey. So now is the time to deliver. The ending, right? This, yeah. this is where the story ends. Um, it's just a case of making sure that they come through and deliver. And I've spoke to both Hangman and Kenny down the years in, in interview settings. Um, Kenny's mind is marvellous anyway. Um, <laughs> you know, just such a meticulous individual, right? Like, he may, he'll point out things that you, you don't, that I, well, I wouldn't think about. You, of course, Simon, in your uh, wrestling career, you may obviously. I'm going to talk. You know, you're on the same page as Kenny. Of course, um, I am. 
but yeah but that's what i mean it's 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 really fascinating to to hear that kind of insight and to think that he's crafted this story with hangman right because they have obviously um as a as a pair and and now we're arriving at the perfect kind of crescendo uh i i just think people are ready for it don't overthink it it would be like not quite the same obviously the connotations are completely different but if, what if we had kofi mania and then uh, daniel bryan just, yeah just taps out kofi it's like oh <laughs> um what was the point of that like I, I don't think you need to like throw another swerve um i don't think you need you know kenny to hold it a bit more and then the, the chase continues Mm-mm. i think now is the time I totally agree. I absolutely totally agree. And I think that Tony Khan gets that too. I think he's kind of made that very clear. Over the few years, he has been a wrestling booker. I think we should, because I I hope that loads of people are going to go listen to talk wrestling as well. And that's why I felt like we should talk about Pac and Cody Rhodes versus Malachi Black and Andrade. Because we didn't really get massively into that because it was only officially announced on last night's Dynamite. But I'm glad because I want to talk to you about Cody Rhodes, who has become, from my vantage point, one of the most fascinating characters in all of wrestling because he's almost, to use Tony Carr's own word in the interview that he did, he's like AEW's John Cena, where there is a portion (laughs) of the audience who has decided, screw that guy. And I kind of always understood it with John Cena. Like there was an obvious few years period where, again, ties into everything we were talking about. You just knew who was going to win. And his name was John Cena. I never really got that with Cody. I can understand, yes and no. I I sort of see where it was born from. But I, I don't think it's as egregious as the Cena thing ever was and to me whether a promo or especially when it comes to storytelling and stories Cody is right up there you know I've said this I've said this for years it's intentionally so it feels like you're watching throwback wrestling which I love because it's variety and it's difference Mm -hmm. you know when you're going through AEW but dude you may have a a totally different take I don't think we've ever talked about this well I mean it's funny because I've spoke to Chris Jericho and uh, one of the things I asked him was you know Jericho king of reinvention what does Cody need to do at this stage, if if anything, um, you know, with the way the fans are reacting to his character. And Jericho kind of said, you know, well, it's understandable why some people won't like him. Smoking hot wife, kind of venturing into TV slash Hollywood, and you know, ultra successful guy. Uh, I've never. It's not that. You know, I, it's not like I look at the Rock and I go, God damn it, he's too big and muscly and nice. <laughs> like uh, to, to me, it's not an envious thing. Um, and, and that's the exact, you know, when you're making those parallels between Cena and Rhodes, I actually think that the best part of Cena is him, right? Like, that's, that's as time went on, we went to admire, didn't we? Oh, the, yeah, the guy yeah. does all the Make-A-Wish. He works every day. He's like a media machine. He was the workhorse for WWE. Like, as time went on, all of us were like, you know what? You, you can't help but respect that guy. It was the booking people didn't like of John Cena, <laughs> right? And it's the same reason people turned on Reigns in the early stages. Well, yeah, you know, or pretty much his whole entire solo run until the Tribal Chief, basically. <laughs> um, and I think that's the thing with Cody, and I, it still kind of baffles me now. In 2019, you know, I remember he, the cage match with Wardlow into the title feud with Jericho. He was, bar none, the hottest baby face in wrestling, right? His reactions were insane. The promos he were de- he was delivering were absolutely off the charts. There was nobody hotter than Cody Rhodes. And then for some reason, they said, you know what? He can't win the title. And it was like, oh, um, okay. What are you, you going to do then? And he, they kind of decided to make him the gatekeeper to AEW. And that's kind of what he's done, right? Um, all of these people yeah. on their way in, Eddie Kingston, Ricky Starks, of course, you know, we're looking at it now with uh, Malachi Black and Andrade's on the other side of this tag as well. 
and it's just a bit because because he it's always a difficult spot because you can't just lose right and that that was like one of the main things with uh, Anthony Agogo as well who's another man on that list a lot of people were so perplexed that Cody didn't put him over right people were like well it doesn't make any sense you know he's he's punching people in the gut to death and Cody just withstands <laughs> and beats him um and I think that's where people started to sour they're like well you know, if you're going to be Cody Rhodes and you're trying to protect the Cody Rhodes name, which you have to, to have any value to be anyway, they've just put him in a weird spot where he can't really do anything. Um, I thought the work he did with Darby Allen for the TNT title, great. The stuff since then where he's kind of just worked on trying to put people over or getting in feuds, not so great. And yeah. and that and therein lies the rub, really, that he's not being utilised correctly. And I, don't, and, I, and I suspect he was the one who would have wanted to be used this way as well. Like, you know, easy, easy to keep him out of the title picture and use him elsewhere on the show. I just don't know if it's gone according to plan. Um, and and I, from speaking to Malachi Black this week, I think he said that it was Cody and Tony Khan who wanted him to work with Cody on the way in. And it's been good because Malachi Black has one of those complex characters, Simon, that can influence and, and and sort of change Cody. And that's what he alluded to in the interview. You know, he's forced Cody to do things during their feud that the ultimate good guy, do-gooder, wouldn't do. Uh, and maybe that is heading, you know, heading Cody in a direction that some fans would be placated by. But I honestly don't know. And I, I don't think they truly know the end destination yet. They, In my opinion, it all started to go wrong when they said he can't be a part of the title chase. Just just that stipulation really pigeonholed him. And the booking since then has been questionable. It is weird, that title thing. If they stick to it for the entirety of his career, I actually think it will benefit in the sense that, well, WWE doesn't stick to any of their stipulations. <laughs> yeah. So at least you would go, oh, wow, you know, I can believe when they speak. Again, I'm stealing this from other people that have said it, a very Paul Heyman uh, way of booking. You know, I'm going to do things and sh- ensure my audience knows I'm not going to break. Given that you put that all so well, too, what do you do in this tag match then? Because the way that Andrade and Pat kind of fit into the Cody Malachi, I didn't think it was bad by any stretch of the imagination, but it was very convenient. Do you know what I mean? In the yeah. sense that all of a sudden we're running in and it was quite clear that we've come up with an idea for a, for a match at, or, or at um, a full gear. So we'll just have people almost come together by chance and then we'll just, we'll just have them have a match. But it's not like I totally believe that Cody has packs back and vice versa. Whereas when it comes to Malachi and Andrade, I would argue that absolutely I can see where they're coming from in terms of they have a, well, they have a united front. And if all of a sudden they spun off to become a tag team and maybe even after went, you know, my point is, I'm kind of ranting here, but if Pac and Cody after this said, oh, we're going after the tag belts, I'd be like, what? Yeah. Whereas if Malachi and Andrade did, I'd be like, okay, I feel like you've justified that. So, I mean, going on what you've just said, I mean, is Cody going to beat the crap out of Pac? You know, does he lose his temper? We go into that kind of feud. I mean, what would you do? There's, I mean, there's a couple of different ways they could do with it. First of all, this tag kind of feels like something they would have done on Raw in like the height of the Attitude Era. Ab- like, absolutely, it does. It ab- that's what I mean. It's very convenient. Like, that, know, that's the, the big thing. Yeah, I don't know if it's like you know pay per view, but the four talents involved for me make it a pay per view match. So I, I will get behind it. I know it's going to be good wrestling. I guess you either really lean into the Cody Heat and have him win. Um, which I think would make people annoyed that Malachi Black suffers another loss. Just just hazarding a guess at what the hardcore fans would take that as. Um, or, you know, you let Malachi and, and Andrade get the victory. And then again, 
that can drive Cody in a different way too, like you say, where maybe he starts playing the blame game or he gets frustrated and then there's something with him in pack. Um, it's, it, you know, it's two, two rivalries, two series of matches kind of coming together in one tag. And I think it would be foolish to let Malachi lose again this mm, early in his, in his AEW run because he does have something special uh, that, more importantly, people are buying into. Whereas Cody... Uh, wins and losses i don't know if they define him right now if you want to make people happy he needs to lose <laughs> but you know again if you want to draw that heat maybe they'll have him win um if i had to try and put on the tony khan hat which is ostensibly easier than the vincent man hat um i would <laughs> yeah, i would definitely i would i would say malachi black gets gets the victory here and you know enjoy they could do with it as well i guess so it's a win-win situation i don't think anyone will be hurt by a loss on the pack cody side so, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it, it's very hard to actually work out what they're doing with Cody, right? Like, you see these kind of slight changes going through with his uh, American Nightmare team and, you know, these weird, these weird vignettes where the now-known serial killer Arn Anderson <laughs> is, best. like, you know, really in his grill and turning up at his house in the middle of the night and stuff, slapping yeah, him. What what I I'm not gonna lie I loved all that because mm. it was nuts and it was crazy. But what was it like? Yeah, I, I understand it. Doing, it was, but it's well, fun. It, <laughs> it was try it was trying to light a fire under Cody, right? Oh, you got to get back to your roots, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But it kind of again, it kind of felt like we had this deadline of uh, whatever uh, the Saturday is, you know, whatever the November, and we just kind of need to we need to speed through the gears a little bit. And it's one of those situations where AEW it's done it's executed so well that i enjoy it for what it is but when we get to the end of it i'm like huh that was a that was a strange little <laughs> tangent we we took there i totally agree with you though i mean it's such a weird match to predict because i kind of feel like this card overall is being designed to make you feel good right hence why we have the big kenny omega hangman adam page we talked about it i think cm punk eddie kingston is another thing where tony khan's just gone well this will be fun yeah same with the uh the fool's count anywhere six man but if you look at it on paper, Malachi Black is a bad guy. And therefore, yes, the right thing to do would be to have Cody win. But you know that's going to piss off everybody, especially a pay-per-view crowd, right? Who are usually more, well, intense will go with than, yes. uh, you know, people that may just go to TV. So I, I honestly don't know what they're going to do. And I kind of feel like Pac and Andrade being there have to be serving a reason. It must be like, okay, we need to achieve this, but we can't just go to Cody versus Malachi 4. So we'll, you know, we'll kind of come at it from this angle, which is why, going back to how I began all this, I find Cody so fascinating because you couldn't do that with any other character because mm. he's just almost an enigma. And that's why I like it. I like it when we get these quote unquote shades of grey. I think it makes wrestling far more interesting. Yeah, because it's funny, right? Because Andrade and Pac, they need to have the rubber stamp match, no? They've had two. I mean, yeah, absolutely. So you, you would have thought that would be the logical conclusion, but there must be, as you say, a specific reason that they've then put this tag match together. Like, what are they trying to achieve? In? And I have to think, out of everyone involved, it's the Cody Rhodes character that really is what this is all centred around. Um, because, again, Cody and Black are done. It's done. Black, yeah. Black one, two, one, done. Cheerio, on to the next. And, you know, then he, I don't know. I, I, I understand why they've kind of put together, but I think it will be to the benefit of Cody in some way. I'm hoping for a, a kind of major character development. Yeah, and that's what I want, yeah. It's, it's one of those, huh, I'm going to sound like uh, the, the things we don't like, wins and losses don't matter to me in this <laughs> match. It's all about how do I feel 
in terms of what we could do on Dynamite on the other side of, of the pay-per-view. But that's good because we have nine other matches that are essentially all wins and losses based. So, mm. you know, I'm not massively fussed. Uh, we will zoom through the rest of the card because there's some other things I would like to talk to you about. Again, if you want a... Uh, more of a deep dive, although we did quite deep dive there. And we probably will do it here either. But again, please do check out Talk Wrestling uh, with me, Alex and Will, where we just we just wax lyrical about all of this. So we do have a buy-in match now, which is Nyla Rose and Jamie Hayter versus Shida and Thunder Rosa. Again, not really sure how that came about. <laughs> I mean, it's, like, it's, a, it's like, okay. I mean, we had the little thing, you know, Hater and Rosa got into it at the start of the six women on, on Dynamite. So that was a nice little, hey, we're, gonna, we're going to do this. I mean... I, I don't know it, it, it's one of those things where i'm like i'm not sure what the idea is where we're going you know are we gonna do the classic can they coexist hater nyla rose thing because let's face it i know wwe does it more than anybody but every promotion does it yeah. impact does it ring of honor we're yeah, doing yeah. it like new japan has done it like it's just they can't help themselves i suppose it would just be fun and i imagine i think thunder rosa is probably going to be the person to take the belt off Britt baker so i imagine her and she'd probably win but i have absolutely no idea yeah, I mean, you can make a case both ways because there is nothing behind this match, like nothing. So I, I would say Rosa just because they're going to keep her hot and shine her up for the eventual dethroning of Britt Baker. You know, I, I've said this before. I feel like Britt Baker's in for a long reign. And um, any of the challenges that come before her, not named Thunder Rosa because of the history or Jade Cargill, assuming that the rocket is strapped to her, which probably shouldn't happen yet. I don't think she'll be losing the belt for a long time. But you're right. I think Rosa probably is the next one. And when they revisit that feud, it's going to be hot. Yep. Um, and I can imagine some dysfunction between Hater and Rose. So I'm going with that. Yeah, which would make sense as well, because then potentially you can do something with the uh, Rebel Hater, exactly. Baker and Nyla Rose. Well, we talked about Britt Baker. Britt Baker versus Ty Conte. Again, Dynamite, very smart. Have Ty Conte get the win and the six women. Britt Baker runs away again. It's just, I mean, this is the antithesis to me of the Kenny Omega, Hangman, Adam Page thing, where you look at that match and you're like, well, you have to do it now. Because if you don't do it now, what are you doing? Whereas here, if Ty Conte won, I'd be stunned. Yeah. I'd be like, well, what? No, yeah. no, no, I like Ty Conte. I think she's great. And I think she gets better every single week. And she is a, an absolute uh, inspiration, I would say, if somebody is struggling within WWE. Make the jump, you know. You, sh you may be able to sort of light a fire under your career but it's just you feel it in the air right you, you you just know sometimes when things should happen and things shouldn't happen and this is one of those where if you did it it'd be like well that was an error mm. <laughs> you shouldn't you shouldn't have done this at all i think it will be good i think i'll enjoy it but i i don't feel any jeopardy in this match i suppose yeah i mean i, I love ty conti i think you know i love a good pump knee from ty conti um <laughs> she does it well she really does she does she um, does but, you know, she's got everything, right? She, she's beautiful. She's got that charisma where just her smile, like, says loads, right? Like, she has a, a very obvious presence. And she's athletic and can go in the ring. Like, she's, she's quite a hard hitter. So I, I think um, this is a spot she deserves to be in. And I'd like to see her get to it more. Do I think she should be dethroning Britt Baker, though? No, I don't. Um, Britt Baker is at the top of her game. She is like the staple of that women's division and arguably one of the biggest stars in the company, regardless. Oh, of yeah. Gender. Um, you don't take the belt off her yet. Like, let that keep um, marinating and growing. And eventually the right person will come along, which if she was heated up or whatever, it might be Ty Conti down the road. I, I don't know. But I don't see that being the case now. Um, I, I think it has to be Britt Baker retaining. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I just think 
yeah, I mean, you can't even explain it. It's, it's just the way it has to be. Uh, as we're on the on the subject too, I'm intrigued to see what you. What do you think about AEW's women division overall at the moment? Because I genuinely think that it gets better and better and better. I find myself more and more invested in it. And again, the amount of people I can now run off that are in that division that I had no idea of before AEW started, I think is a testament a testament to itself. But I still see, you know, on Reddit or Twitter or social media, people going, "Oh, they don't do this and they don't do that." And look, I totally. Uh, that's the word I'm looking for. But again, a, a strong argument is here we have this huge show and before the buy-in, we only had one women's match. I'm like, you know what? Can't argue with that. But I do think it's getting better. And I do think that the array of talent they have is not only very good, but again, because a lot of them are newish, it's cool getting to see them improve in front of our eyes. Yeah, absolutely. Like, I, I don't think you can please everyone, right? Um, and for, I know you can't. But um, in, in relation to the women in AEW... I thought when they had that tournament on YouTube and they had like the Japanese side and the American side, I thought that was excellent. And yet people would complain, well, why did they have it on YouTube? So, what? Why are you complaining about watching wrestling for free for? Um, you know, I understand they're going, oh, you put it on Dynamite, but that's not realistic, is it? Like you're not going to fill out a full tournament on at that point. They didn't even have, even have Rampage, right? So it's just like a two hour weekly show. Yeah. Um, so I, there's been small wins everywhere. The TBS title as well, this tournament ongoing at the moment. I do understand and, and in fact agree with a lot of people that say, well, you know, there should be more women's matches on you know major AEW cards. You know, uh, for instance, how hard would it be to create a feud outside of the title feud? You know, we've got like Red Velvet and Jade Cargill bubbling away, which is in the TBS title tournament, of course. Um, you know, and Thunder Rosa is kind of waiting for a chance to get back to Britt Baker, pretty much. You know, she's just kind of meandering around. Um, but there's a lot of talent within that group. Even like a Penelope Ford, somebody who I knew precious little about. Um, you know, I, I kind of knew of her before AEW, but I hadn't watched her work extensively. Uh, and then I remember watching her Ashida like tear the house down, I think a year or two ago. And it was just like, wow. And there's been kind of a lot of those moments for me where it's like, wow, you know, even a Red Velvet getting involved in the Shaquille O'Neal, Cody Rhodes stuff. I had no idea who Red Velvet was before that, full transparency. So there's been a lot of um, talent awakening for me, Simon, watching AEW. And I really loved kind of watching it grow and manifest. Yeah, obviously, we just want it to be more and more. But reaching that conclusion is easier said than done like you know smarter people than me would be able to explain that like tony khan i assume um and i'm i would have liked to have seen more on this card so i do understand but i also think that they've come a long way from the criticism they were getting just even a year ago and that was in yeah. the pandemic when they couldn't have a lot of their talent right they had to let be Priestley go and people like that because they couldn't make the travel uh, sadie gibbs as well was in that um, they couldn't have any of their Japanese talent, like my favorite Yuka Sakazaki, Simon. Like, uh, <laughs> they, they couldn't have it, right? And and that was a big detriment to what they could do at the time. So I think they're still just recovering from that. And now when you're seeing kind of the full playset, you know, in that period of time, by the way, as well, Britt Baker injured, Statlander, ACL, they, they haven't had it all easy, is my point, to those detractors. Um, and I feel like now that we're on a more even kill right and a more even playing field where they've got all of their chess pieces now we can start to judge them and it's fair to judge them that there is only two matches on this card um, but i also do think good progress is being made 
Totally agree. Totally agree. Uh, hardest match to predict of the entire night, as far as I'm concerned. Brian Danielson versus Miro. Still don't know. Even after watching Dynamite last night, I was like, I have no idea. I presume Daniel Bryan. Daniel Bryan. I did a Jim Ross. I presume Brian Danielson. But pff, I don't know. I just, <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I thought Miro's promo again on Dynamite was flipping ridiculous. Whoever is writing those things for him, and it may be him himself, deserves an award. But I just... If Hangman Adam Page, we talked about this, but we'll talk about it again. If Hangman Adam Page becomes a champion, Miro versus Hangman is brilliant, right? That's the ultimate thing to do. Classic good guy, classic bad guy. But because Brian Danielson is such a star, that is a marquee, you know, a marquee main event for whatever you want to do it. And you could even do it on Winter is Coming, right? Which I presume they're going to do in December again or some kind of TV special. And I think this is why I've enjoyed this tournament so much. Um, if Moxie was in it, I would be more convinced that Moxie was going to win because I was all down for that heel turn. I think it had been well telegraphed. But yeah, with all the, um, you know, the the changes and again, the rightful ones, you know, all the best wishes to John Moxie and his family. But getting Miro in there, I honestly, I feel, think about it constantly. If somebody busted in here right now and put a gun to my head and told me, you know, pick one, I'd be like, well, A, there's no need for this. I'm happy to talk wrestling. <laughs> but also... How did you get in my house? Yeah, exactly, yeah. But also, you, you're going to have to shoot me in the head. I don't know. I don't know. And I'd be intrigued to see your thoughts. I'm, I'm, ve- <laughs> I'm very amused that you'd be prepared to die over that. I am. Um, <laughs> yeah, I... I don't know. It, I'm the same as you. Like I, I thought it was probably Moxley. Um, with the I, I hadn't actually really thought about the hill turn until you mentioned it, but um, it makes the world of sense. And I think it's very auspicious adding Miro in that particular spot, right? Like you know, he's he's a guy who's needed something to bounce back from since the TNT title loss to Sammy Guevara. But he, he's been booked really well since you know going away from gamer mode to God's favorite champion. Does Daniel in any other world, Daniel Bryan wouldn't really need to win this tournament, but because the rankings and such are so important, um, I don't know how quickly he gets to the title if he doesn't win it. And if they do want him to get quickly to the title, it's a big win for Hangman Page, presumably, if he does get that. Where it, and, and the Miro feud would still be great for Hangman, but I think the world title in AEW is one of those things that you can't really have placeholder feuds. It's We've got Omega, we've got Punk, we've got Adam Cole, we've got Brian Danielson, we've got all of these names, John Moxley included, that have to be in that, because there's only one top title, right? Like, they have to be in that frame pretty much constantly, or you need to find great stories for them outside of that. I'm not against Miro going in there, and the part of me that thinks that Miro might win is that if Moxley was scheduled to win, that would make the most sensible pivot, I guess, from a booking Mm. decision. Yeah. But then again, it's Brian Goddamn Danielson, Simon. <laughs> he's like the greatest wrestler ever. So he really is. You know, he really, really is. I've said this all along. Like he's a complete anomaly. Anomaly. Um, where fans are like, oh, well, you know, he got a match of Kenny straight away. Of course he bloody did. It's Brian Danielson. He's amazing. <laughs> Come on, guys. Like you know, don't be ridiculous. Don't overthink it, as we said. Uh, let him wrestle. Damn it. Um, so I. I I could take it either way. I'd love to see Miro made. And I think Brian is a guy who absolutely can do that. But I, again, if you said, put your money somewhere and I had to, I think I would just side with the greatness of Brian Danielson. Yeah, no, I, I I think that's why it's so fascinating. The good thing about it is that both guys can lose. It doesn't affect them at all. No. Like Again, Brian Danielson, arguably the best wrestler ever. I ain't joking. I really do think this. And Miro... 
just you you can cut one promo and you'd be like, oh yeah, it's that guy. (laughs) Mm. He's absolutely absolutely smashed it. Uh, Inner Circle versus American Top Team. Really enjoyed what they did on Dynamite. Thought it was much better than the segment that they did the week before, which was fine. But I think, you know, oddly, I like goofiness and humor, but this was the time for it to be super serious. And it was, although I'm a hundred, again, the man with the gun comes back in now. I'm going Inner Circle. There's no way it's going to be anything else. Yeah, you'd have to think so. I'd be I'd be stunned if you know Junior DeSantos gets the roll up or something. Um, I, I think Jericho has displayed since this babyface inner circle turn um, that when he wants to dial it up and and give those fiery babyface promos, he's really good at it. Um, obviously, that's stupid to say, but I mean he's proven that he can still do that, um, and that's really helped a lot in this particular feud. I don't see American Top Team women. I, I would have liked Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page to come out of this with some credit because maybe they didn't really get that from the Sting feud um, and Darby Allen. And I'm wondering how they're going to push forward from here and how their association with American Top Team will work. But I do think in a circle altogether as one unit, I, I just do not see them losing to you know essentially a tag team with MMA artists. No, and especially when Dan Lambert's in there, pin him, beat him. Like, yeah, you know, it literally whooped. doesn't matter. He's yeah, getting doesn't. whooped. I can't wait to see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I agree with you. Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky have to go big after this. They're a great tag team. They've established themselves. They're really fun. Um, I'd, I'd like to see them, again, we'll go right into the Lucha Brothers versus FTR, but whoever wins that one, I guess if, say, the Lucha Brothers win it, I would like to see them go against Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky. I wouldn't even mind them winning the Men of the Year. Genuinely, that's how much I like them. And I think when, again, WWE logic, when we do get to the natural conclusion with those guys, you can break them up, and that's fine, because they have absolute uh, potential as singles. We know that. We've seen them do the singles thing as well. Uh, Yeah, Lucha Brothers versus FTR. I had this idea over the last 24 hours that you could potentially have FTR win here and then have the Lucha Brothers win back both the AEW and AAA titles in AAA. I know that's a crazy thing to say, but given how much the Forbidden Door has swung open and it's always kind of favoured all elite wrestling, I thought maybe it's time to give something a little bit back. But I don't know. That was just something that I thought that could be nice. And it would surprise people, I think. I don't think many people believe that FTR are actually going to win this. Again, because they, they, they won the last match. Uh, I guess it depends on how strong that relationship is. And of course, we probably should have talked about this, so I'll throw it in there now. I mean, the constant references to Akada at the start of Dynamite yeah. surely must mean that that's about to get more intense too. So maybe, I don't know, maybe you get something with that as well. Oh, man. I I mean, you, there's literally a million things you could do with Akada in AEW. Um, and for some reason, aligning with the best friends was not one of them that I had on my list. But, <laughs> you know, that's what's happening. Why not, though, eh? Yeah, why the hell not? Um, yeah, I, it's, it's interesting. I can't even remember what match she was asking me about now. I went on a, a card tangent. Um, AEW tag titles. But if you want to talk about New Japan Forbidden Door, go nuts, yeah, man. Yeah. No, no one's going to mind. <laughs> you're, you're right, though. AEW have, considering that Tony Khan is like the master of the Forbidden Door and has opened all these gateways on wrestling basically outside of wwe um he's done (laughs) aw have been remarkably well protected um i I don't know how that manifests itself down the road and if there is going to be some kind of like thank you booking but um the triple a titles i would hope or presume they'll make their way back to the lucha bros at some i don't i've got to be honest i don't think the lucha bros are going to be long aew tag team champions I'm not sure that it's FTR who take it off them, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was. 
Um, I just think they're a really fun electric act that the titles don't necessarily enhance or, you know, make a difference either way. Whereas, yeah, if, I agree. you know, FTR, top guys, right? That's the whole thing, um, being the, you know, the mechanics and just being the exemplary professional wrestlers that they are. I think the titles mean a great deal to them. Uh, and it makes a great difference to what they, you know, the fusion programs they come in and out of. I still think they're going to make their way back to the Bucks at some stage. And having the titles would be the natural way to do that. Um, so whether they win it here or not, I do think FDR have a championship run coming shortly. Because before all of this, really, uh, like I said, I think they've had a bit of a hit and miss years, usage wise, not in ring. They're bloody hell. That Dax Harwood against Pac was ridiculous. But um I, I just feel like they haven't been as prominently used as maybe they would have liked putting words in their mouth. I'm sure. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> from, from that perspective, I, I do think that they're, they're kind of due another title run and to, to almost tie a bow on the stories they were telling. So really, I, I just want them to get back to really the promised land where they belonged. Cause I still feel they had, they had stories to tell at the end of that reign before the bucks just took over and, began their kind of bombastic, lovely ridiculousness that uh, entertained me for so long. Yeah, no, I agree. I think uh, it's, it's probably the way the way to do it. And now I want to see Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky win it. So we'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, fly through the rest of the matches. Darby Allen versus MGF. I've said it once, I'll say it twice. MGF should win and MGF should start his long crawl to beat Hangman and a page for the world title. And I think he should go undefeated for ages. And I think he should beat the Cowboy because I think it's going to make him the biggest asshole ever. And it will be wonderful. Simon, I literally want to replicate everything you just said. <laughs> I think you know where I sit on this. I do believe MJF um, should get the momentum. And yes, he should be the champion after Hangman Page. Did you see the Wardlow match, by the way? I did. On Dynamite. I... My word, that guy is going to be so flipping good when they pull the trigger. Just the man. The For absolute your order, man. Simon, let's, let's tell the people what you and I think, or, or what I have hypothesized. I think... MJF beats Hangman Page, but then I think Wardlow beats MJF. I think that's the eventual story here. He's going to be made. I know Jericho loves him. I know MJF obviously being involved with him and the story is so natural there. Uh, he's going to let him down at some stage. And when Wardlow is unleashed, they're going to make him, Simon. They're going to make him. I can't wait. I can't again. Another one that's been like years in the making, quite literally. And I'm so mm. excited for it. I'm so excited. Uh, Christian Cage and Jurassic Express versus the Super Click. I'm kind of a little bit more torn about this after the Bobby Fish stuff on Dynamite yeah. and Rampage. It kind of feels like we're stacking the deck against Jungle Boy so he can lose and have an excuse for losing. Like, well, they did kick his ass for the last <laughs> the last few days. But I genuinely beforehand thought that Adam Cole and the Young Bucks would lose. Because to me, Matt and, Nick, Matt and Nick Jackson are so bulletproof, they can be pinned for the rest of their life and nobody will give a damn because yeah. they're so flipping good at what they do. But now I'm kind of leaning towards them, which is bad because I've done a lot of these prediction shows and I've always gone for Christian Cage and the Jurassic <laughs> Express. And now I think I've changed my mind. But hey, I'm, I'm allowed to do that. I'm a human being. What do you think, man? Uh, I think uh, my, my instinct says super click, but also they're stacking the deck against Jungle Boy. And I think maybe there's going to be a remarkable finish. Um, I, I know Tony Khan like loves him and he is obviously one of their future stars, one of the pillars MJF likes to talk about. Um, I think they're going to stack the deck and then he's going to pull out something incredible. That's what I, that's what I think and hope. 
He's grown a beard now too. He's Jungle Man. Jungle worst Man. Thing, worst, worst thing I've ever said in my life. And CM Punk versus Eddie Kingston. <laughs> I mean, whoever, whoever, it doesn't matter. We win. That's my point. Whoever, it doesn't matter who wins or who loses. We are going to have a good time. I thought the video they did on Dynamite was superb. The pull apart brawl again was quick, but it was fun. And it had some silly bits in it that made me laugh. And while everybody is leaning towards CM Punk, as am I, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not that guy. I am not totally convinced and in fact i do have one stupid idea that you i know that eddie kingston is beloved but given how it's all been done you could turn eddie kingston heel in this like or not in this but off it because he just can't handle it i think i think there's a way to do it because i mean this is the first one that comes to mind why was the rock such an effective heel because they turned him just as he was peaking as a baby face i was i i was fuming in 98 (laughs) and i think it's the same here i think if you can conduct a good story which wwe to their credit did a fantastic job at that survivor series if you can do the same with this i think it could be done and it's going to be far easier than turning punk as far as i'm concerned because i think Mm. people still love him but i could be wrong but this is another one where i really really don't know i side with punk just because i think it makes the most sense but who knows Eddie Kingston and his deadly games. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know. It's 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 a. I my, I think I'm fairly certain that CM Punk's unbeaten record is not coming to a close at the hands of Eddie Kingston. As as great as this brawl is going to be, um, and that's essentially what I think it will be—a brawl. Um, I I want Eddie to win. Um, I feel like he th- there's a. There's kind of a ceiling that he's developed for himself, uh, booking-wise, I'm talking here, like, character-wise. You know, he lost to Miro on the last pay-per-view TNT title. Obviously lost to Moxley on his one big title shot. Um, you know, he lost to Brian Danielson in the title eliminator tournament. And then he would lose to Punk here. You're right, that could drive him to go, do you know what? But then at the other end of that hill turn, I'd need him to, I need it to go somewhere. I need him to win something big. Yes, yeah, So. Yeah. You know, I need him to to get some big scalps, and uh, I don't know. I don't know if that's if that's what we're going to get. I would love to see Hill, Moxley, and Kingston just running amok, by the way, um, as a tag or like whatever stable. But I, mm, I think on this occasion it's just going to be CM Punk wins, and Eddie Kingston and him kind of end up respecting each other, maybe because you know Kingston proved to him that he's more than what Punk had labeled him as and you know it's going to be one of those that's what i think um but i wouldn't be against a big character shift for eddie but you're right he's so he's so beloved though at the moment yeah in all corners of wrestling not just kind of what's presented in the ring and i think punk's turn is way off there's a lot of mileage oh yeah especially because we've already just got serious punk like yeah. this is the first time we, we've had happy go lucky punk which i cannot believe some people did not like oh my gosh i want to throttle you how can you be mad at a man being happy it doesn't make any sense but uh we don't need to worry about that alex before i do let you go there is one news story i wanted to get your opinion on because okay. you have talked to everybody and you have all the knowledge i don't know whether you saw the interview that brian danielson did with ariel helwani i did um, well, i've but, seen clips I've seen clips yeah but ariel being the guy that he is was just like hey dude let's talk about the wwe firings <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And I thought the best quote, best quote, most interesting quote that came out was when Danielson said, I mean, I'm paraphrasing here, but you know, if you're under contract with WWE and you're not happy, uh, you know, the company can get rid of you and fire you for 90 days. And why can't wrestlers do that? And as we know, that's something that Daniel Bryan tried to do for, for years when they wouldn't clear him 
because he wanted to wrestle. They said no. He's like, okay, here's my notice. And they were like, oh, no, well, you know, you can't do that because we froze your contract here and there, blah, blah. To the point, I think at the end of the day, it wound up being like a seven-year deal, which is absolutely, absolutely ludicrous. But I wanted to get your take because, of course, dude, you've talked to a lot of these guys, both before they were released and some after. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know whether you've got sort of any insight into that or, or your own personal opinion, really. I mean, it's never going to change because it, you'd have to have some kind of, of, of government intervention. But mm-hmm. I feel like when you have a guy, and I use his WWE name to sort of throw that home, like Daniel Bryan coming out and saying, hey, man, I don't think this contract situation is pretty cool. I find that quite interesting. No, you're absolutely right. That was the main headline that I took away from that as well. Um, and and it wouldn't, wouldn't that be fair? Wouldn't that be a fair world um, that WWE hate? <laughs> of course it would. Um, I mean, it, it, I'll say this all the time. Um, in how I approach wrestling and, you know, why I always root. I root for the talent more than anything else, I think. Like, um, in any company that I watch, like, you know, I want these incredible performers to have the best of it. And, of course, I want to watch great shows, but ultimately it's the talent that you follow and, and, and you want the best for. And it's it's kind of hard when you see them, you know, request their release. They're not really being used or whatever. And WWE, just in maybe a show of power or whatever, kind of say no um and and they hold people to ransom and you know it's just a, it's a very strange balance of play like they can't kind of accept not having the ultimate power i don't think and you know i've spoke to brian on, on, a, on a few occasions actually um and I, I spoke to him just before he left wwe earlier this year and he was talking about how you know he wanted to get away and be a bit be a parent for a while which he of course he did um before signing with AEW. um and the, the vibe I got from him then, you know, and he said it as much, was like, you know, I didn't really feel it for WrestleMania this year. I didn't really feel being in WWE. And the reason I bring that up, Simon, is that there's precious few performers who really could feel like they are WWE. Do you know what I mean? Like, do you think Dana Brooks there, for instance, feeling comfortable and, like, loyal to WWE? Like, I don't think anyone's comfortable there outside of, like, Lynch rollins reigns and a handful of others right like the rest rest of them at this point when you've watched a hundred over 130 since last year which is insane i mean it's crazy 130 talents since 2020 have left wwe right seven over 70 just this year so if if you are one of those talents on the roster now where you kind of in and out of tv or yeah how are you going to feel like you're part of the family per se? And I think that's what Daniel Bryan was saying, because I did see a quote where at the end, and again, I'm paraphrasing, but he was like, once I saw a lot of these things, it did make me want to come to AEW. And again, like Tony's only let go of a handful of people. I mentioned them earlier, like Sadie Gibbs and, um, you know, Jimmy Havoc, of course, like some for disciplinary reasons. Um, and, and, uh, B Priestley, uh, now known as Blair Davenport. And, those were all kind of forced, right? He didn't have a choice. He either couldn't use them, so it was wasted money during the pandemic, or they had to go. Whereas WWE are doing these budget cuts, and it's like, you know, they're a global entity. They make far more than AEW, far more. And yet they have to make these cuts. Now, I'm not privy to why or what the bottom line looks like. And, you know, they're reporting record profits. That's all I That's all I know, That you know, of the information WWE give us, Simon. Yeah. Um, but... I, I just think from a talent perspective, it's becoming harder for them to to what well, we've seen that want to be in WWE with Brian and Adam Cole. But it's just not a safe, um, positive place to be in that respect. Right. Like you, you don't know 
what's going to happen to your career there anymore. It's very volatile. Anybody can seemingly be let go. Some of the names have been let go this year with Keith Lee, Malachi Black as well. It's kind of staggering. And you think, wow, like if, if they can go, then literally there is only, like I say, a handful of people that are safe. And I think that's the changing feeling in the business where it's like, man, we don't know what that's like. And it's not really fair for wrestlers. Um, again, the Premier League presides over the 20 football clubs in the top flight here, right? It's an example for British fans. There are rules, right? You have to answer to them if you step out of line. The WWE make their own rules, right? Everything is in favour towards them, right? And, and, and I guess if you're a businessman, you can understand that rationale. Um, but these contracts, the, you know, and these independent contractors, as they call them, it's just not really that. It's not a two-way street. You can't just walk when you want, which presumably you could do as an independent contractor in almost any other walk of life. Um, I, I just feel like that balance is finally coming back to haunt WWE in many way, where top stars are looking at it and going, Brian Danielson being the most celebrated of all, are looking at it and saying it doesn't have to be that way. And AEW is a real alternative with real money and whatever else, and it isn't that way. Thus far, anyway, they haven't shown us that they are. You know, they haven't shown us any reason to say they're keeping anyone prisoner or they're releasing people en masse. So I totally understand why the perceptions are changing, Simon. And from what I've ever got from the talent, all they want is to make the big time. And they want to make great money for their family. And they want to be happy with their art. I would say that's probably the most three important things that they ever I ever get talked about or talked to about in interviews. Um, and it's becoming harder and harder for some talent to get those things in WWE, I think. I mean, I don't have any follow-up. That was <laughs> you could, yeah, I couldn't have got any better. I couldn't have asked for a better answer uh, answer to that question. I totally agree, and I think that's the coolest thing about it all is that there has been a a, a change. And you know, whether you're a WWE fan or you're an AEW fan, the reason it's so important to have that competition is because there's more places for people to work. But also, it usually stops one company from falling into a lull. Mm. And if you have been watching WWE since 2001 all the way through to 2019, I'm sure there would be people in the company that agreed, you know what, from this period, we weren't really on it. And that's because sometimes you do need somebody chasing you down. It's just true. That's just how it yeah. works. Is You know, if you are able to get complacent, the human brain will get complacent, which is why, let me look at boxes as a... Uh, as a bizarre comparison you know sometimes they they lose the will to fight because they wake up in their gold pajamas or whatever that quote was and it's like yeah, well, why, yeah. why would i do this anymore i don't need to and when you need to uh things quite change quite drastically hard, uh, hard, to, hard to get out of bed and run at 5 a.m when you're in silk sheets i believe is the term right and that's so true and it, it is so so true and uh we will we will wrap the podcast up here but i will leave with a small spoiler and it comes from very very uh, respectable sources and if you're a fan of the Mysterios, all I will say is that look forward to shouting Mysterio no <laughs> very, very, very soon. I'm sure I'm assured you've seen that, Alex. You probably reported it, to be fair. I probably. Uh, Andrew Zarian, I believe. Was that's right. Yeah, that. that's, that's uh, right. I, I love Andrew. I'm good. Yeah, again. Someone, oh, he's a wonderful human being. Yeah. Someone I speak to regularly. Um, and I, I honestly think he's batting 100 from what I see, what I've seen of 1,000. Sorry, I'm terrible at baseball. Um, but yes, <laughs> he, his, his track record is, is absolutely phenomenal. So um, I would I would totally buy that. Not only would I buy that, just from what I've seen on TV. Exactly. Would lead me to believe that he's right. 
I can't wait. Rey Mysterio getting screwed over again. Oh, it's going to be hilarious. <laughs> and Dominic as a bad guy. Oh, it's going to be fascinating. Unless they're going to turn Rey, WWE, do not turn Rey Mysterio heel. Don't oh, do it. God. Stupid. Stupidest thing ever. Oh, dear. Right. On that note, we will wrap things up. Alex, thank you so much for joining, man. It was an absolute pleasure. And please do throw out your plugs one more time. Oh, of course, brother. Anytime you want me to steer the ship with you, I would love to. Um, AlexM underscore TalkSport is on Twitter, of course, and Instagram, although my Instagram is not half as fun. Um, TalkSport.com forward slash wrestling is where all my interviews are. Um, as Simon will tell you, I stay goddamn busy, and you'll see that on my Twitter. So have some more exciting stuff coming up this weekend as well that I will keep you all informed with. And, of course, the Talk Wrestling podcast is uh, embedded in TalkSport articles, but I'll also post it on my Twitter, which is the hub for everything that I do, really. But uh, the Wrestling Daily YouTube show is something you should also check out. We run uh, Monday to Friday. I do Tuesday to Friday. Uh, I'm like Triple H, don't work Tuesdays, but it's Mondays. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, so it's 8 uh, to 8.30, uh, and we obviously recap all the news, and I give you my insight uh, as to things that I know. As You just got a little taste <laughs> from at the end of this podcast. But exactly, and that's what... And that's why everyone should do it. Genuine insight, genuinely well-connected, and always a genuine joy. And we are back now too. Alex just mentioned he's going to come on as much as he can, and that yes. would be my wish as well. Uh, but yes, I know sometimes people are like, Mellows, where's the podcast? Where's the podcast? Look, I, do, I do my best with the time that I have at my feet, and hopefully I've explained that enough. But again, you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram at Simon316. You can support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash Simon316. On YouTube at Simon Miller and What Culture Wrestling. Uh, got merchandise, SimonMiller.bigcast cartel.com and for some reason i'm on cameo now i don't know why either but i am so if you want a shout out you can get one there too otherwise again enjoy this weekend enjoy full gear and enjoy smackdown and rampage and all the crazy wrestling that is coming your way and i promise we will chat next week by hook or by crook and we will talk to you then